everyone, welcome to The Meeting of the Movie, your podcast about what matters most when it comes to the film. This is your spoiler-filled discussion about the themes, the character, and the meaning of the movie. I'm here today with two uh, filmmaking legends, movie stars, and my good friends. Uh, first of all, we have John Michael Simpson. John Michael, what's up, man? Hey, that's a very uh, sweet thing you just said. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. And I'm also here with uh, Jeff McQuitty, who is an actor, cinematographer, composer. He he can kind of do everything. Like, I don't know if I have any creative filmmaking skills, and Jeff's one of those guys who just makes you mad because he's kind of awesome at all of it. And we'll see how he does at podcasting. Jeff, welcome to the show. What's up, dude? What a what an intro. I'm I'm sad I didn't make you mad. <laughs> that's kind of this is this is part talking about movies but part I'm, therapy uh for friendship and so yeah uh and i'm just gonna make you more mad today when i just really got a lot of hot takes here yeah yeah we're, we're, yeah we're gonna really turn this up a notch i'm 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 kind of bracing myself for this um and but i'm excited to talk about this movie with you guys because i actually did a google search on like the meaning of the movie and what movies come up when you just put that term in and one of the number one movies was the menu um and so i thought this would be a fun one for us to talk about but it's also interesting because it's a movie about a restaurant but it's also part horror film and i'm curious from you guys why do you think you can take just about any genre imaginable and then mash it up with horror like why are so many people doing that why does that work you guys have even had experience doing it yourself but i'm curious of like any thoughts that you have of like anything from like a happy death day, which is like Groundhog's Day plus horror. Like you can take pretty much any genre and then just like, oh, we're going to make the horror version of that. And for some reason it works or it gets an audience. I'm curious. Why do you think that's such a phenomenon? Yeah. I mean, I feel like out of any genre of movies, horror, horror films just elicit the most, visceral emotion uh i mean you can feel it when you go to a movie and it's when you go to a horror movie specifically and you hear the screams you hear like the the yells and people are are, you know are cowering in their seats i mean it's just you don't get that from i mean obviously with with any with any genre it it elicits different emotion but horror there's just like a roller coaster ride experience that's fun and I kind of started watching horror movies later in life because I was always too scared. And um, it was like really in college when I had roommates that liked them and I would watch horror movies and I realized how fun it was. And adding the element of like comedy to a horror movie, it just kind of, it, it hits similar emotional tones for me. Like, it's it's surprising and you know like a joke and a scare kind of have similar timing if you um and, and how that's you a good point it. yeah you it is kind of roller coaster and they're v- both so visceral like, like you're reacting to something so whether it's a really great joke or a really fun jump scare it is both like some sort of emotional reaction where like an action movie you're just like oh wow that's cool but like you're a little bit more, you're actually like either cringing or laughing when it comes with comedy. What do you think, John Michael? Why are, the, why are mashups such a thing when it comes to horror? Yeah, no, I, I think, and especially with comedy, 
uh, I don't know, we're just afraid of so much. And so when you're taking a horror, you're just taking like this super, uh, I don't know what the right word is like. Um, you're just taking like fear in general and you're just expanding it into like a really fun roller coaster ride visually. And I feel like when you're mixing comedy into it, it's kind of like they're doing the same thing. It's like comedy is just being afraid of a bunch of stuff and being afraid how a social interaction is going to go, being afraid how meeting like the new parents is going to go, being afraid of doing this first experience, you know, uh, whatever the setup is in the horror film. And then when you're adding in just pure horror elements, you're just, you're just getting the license to take it all the way and raise the stakes and have it be life or death and have it be, which just, I feel like turns up the notches on like what we feel in our everyday lives. Um, and horror just gives you a reason to like feel it to the 10th level and just makes it super fun. Well, and you guys both have experience with this because that's part of the reason I thought this would be such a fun movie to talk about is because you guys just had a movie come out. Uh, sorry about the demon. And so I wanted our listeners to know about it and find out about it. And so give me like the pitch, one of you, like give me kind of, you guys have been doing this a bunch, but give me kind of the pitch or the context of what this movie is. Yeah, it's it's pretty much like uh, Shaun of the Dead E of it starts with a guy who uh, gets freshly broken up with uh, and he's a bit of a sad boy. He's got like lots of hobbies, but can't quite commit to has trouble committing in his life, which is an issue with his uh, with his girlfriend. Um, So they split. He's got to go find a new place to live and shows up at what is a you know very clearly haunted house but it's all going over his head and so a lot of the fun in the games of the movie is he moves in there the family is very eager to get out of this house that's possessed by this demon um but the demon and the ghosts kind of determine they don't want his soul and so when he like finds out that it in fact is haunted he's just like well whatever nobody wants me i i'm not wanted anywhere i'm just going to stay here and we're going to figure out how to make this work um, and, uh, inevitably his friends and girlfriend, you know, come over and they get into some trouble and he's got to kind of figure out how to put the pieces all back together. Yeah. It's kind of, it's the classic haunted house movie, but meets like a classic rom-com story, um, and kind of blends those two together in a, in a really fun totally. way. And it's fun to watch John Michael, uh, be scared for, uh, for most of the <laughs> I heard someone someone said it was like um, you know John Hughes meets the conjuring which I thought was a really like perfect like those are the two worlds yeah. trying to be blended into one space here and Emily who who wrote it yeah. and directed it is just really amazing at bringing scares and the sweetness and it is kind of both you know it's it's really a rom-com like packaged in a in a horror you know I guess we better get to the menu. All this sorry about the demon talk. We've got the meaning of a movie to to cover here. I know. So I want to talk about the menu uh, because I thought this is another one of those genre mashups. I'm curious from you guys. Do you even think, I don't know how to classify this movie. Like, is this a horror movie? Is it a thriller? If if we're back at Blockbuster, the shelves at Blockbuster, like what shelf mm. are you oh, you're putting taking this on? Me there. Yeah. yeah. I'm waiting through. I'm getting, pu- I'm getting my snack. There's that yeah. guy who's mouth breathing at me. I'm... <laughs> No, that's a good question. I, it's like watching it. It was so visceral and got my like, you know, my uh, my blood pumping and was, you know, it, it, I mean, it was definitely had frightening elements. I, I probably would say it's a horror, but really after the first and then we can say spoilers and stuff, right? We're, yeah, we're this is a, you okay. got we got to do spoilers. OK, because for me and I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but like when the, the guy offs himself with the gun and, and shoots his brains out. 
like I'm like I'm feeling horror and dread the whole way. It's got like, almost like that white lotusy intro, yeah. which is kind of fun to see in a lot of stuff I'm watching lately. Of just like, okay, we're going to this island. Here's person A, person B. We don't know really what's going on with them. We're building tension. Eerie stuffs being said. Oh, what? Your name's not on the list. You're someone else. You know, I'm trying to figure out who this woman is. What's going on with this couple? And then you know something bad is going to happen after he 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 shot himself in the head and. And, and they go and they have that conversation right after where she's trying, he's like, you know, which side are you on? Are you with the staff or are you with the customers? For me, it turned into more of this like interesting, like mystery thriller thing between the two of them. But it felt right. very horror up until that point. But um, I don't know. It felt like it kind of shifted there for me from just like a straight horror. Yeah. I mean, I think from a pure definition standpoint, it it is a horror movie in that it is uh, there's scares and there's dread. Yeah. And- all of the you know the fear aspects of it but it's also i think at its heart it's a yes. satire and it's I, i'd say it's more of a dark comedy like it's it's being very upfront with what it's saying mm-hmm. in certain ways and you know there's other i mean there's probably 50 different <laughs> things being satirized in this movie yeah it's a, it's a tricky one to describe people and i think part of what i liked about it i don't know exactly how to explain it it is like a lot of other movies, but it's also wholly unique. Like, it's not just a pure genre mashup. It's not just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's this meets that. It's, I mean, it's definitely got some, like, Chef Ramsay vibes. It's got some, you know, uh, thriller, oh, we've we've been invited to the island and now we're in trouble vibes. But it's, it's very wholly original. Um, the cinematography is very, like, foodie and, like, right. <laughs> kind of beautiful, the way they're getting shots and even, like, cutting mm-hmm. away to each course and like showing the food so for it's me, like a reality like, show almost in yes, that way too yes <laughs> yeah it was a, it was pretty it was chef's table yes. to a t it was literally using like the right. same font <laughs> when he even mentions that at one point he's like yeah, i've seen every sh- episode of chef's table three times so it's like oh it's very much in conversation with oh, that. that guy was the worst yeah <laughs> So I'm curious from you, what we like to do in this show is like do different categories to help us just break it down and talk about it. So what's the most meaningful scene? If there's one scene that you would pick that really is like, okay, this epitomizes the meaning of the movie. What is that scene for you? Jeff, do you have a most meaningful scene? Yeah. The big climax scene at the end with, with, uh, with Margot and the chef where she orders the hamburger. It, it awakens this like ratatouille-esque like <laughs> realization in the chef. It subverts, I guess, whatever whatever uh, punishment that she was going to have. Why do you think he let her go? Everyone else is trapped there, and she just gets to walk out. Like I've had people ask me, like who have seen the movie, they're like, "Why does he let her go? Like, what's your read on that?" I don't know. I mean, I think it's because she almost refuses to play the game. Um, you know, he, he, he gives her this ultimatum at some point you have to choose, are you with us or are you with the customers? And she kind of, you know, starts to side with the staff. Uh, you you think she's going to make a certain choice and then she realizes like, I'm, I'm going to not play this game. I'm not going to choose either side. And for whatever reason, you know, she, she unlocks this joy in, in the chef. Well, and I have the benefit of like watched it a couple of times and so on on my recent rewatch there's this scene where she goes back to his office and he talks about being like a servant and that sort of thing and then he you know essentially 
comes out like what she does, which is she's an escort. And then she's like, do you enjoy your work? And she's like, I used to. And then she flips it on him and says, do you enjoy your work? And he's like, yeah, I used to. But I haven't cooked a meal for someone that meant something in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think when she goes and like she sees that picture back at his place of him flipping the hamburger at this old like greasy spoon sort of place and taps into that and he mm-hmm. gets to cook that sort of meal that means something for her for the first time is like really meaningful to him. And then the other thing that I thought was so great was she asks for it to go and she kind of like taps into this like etiquette or like secret code because this is really a movie about class, right? Like a lot of he's asking like, do you belong back in the kitchen or do you belong out in the restaurant? And when she asks for it to go, no one else in that restaurant is going to ask for that. The dudes who are like, the Bitcoin, you know, Tesla guys, like they're not asking for that. You know, the super rich waspy couple, couple, they're not asking for that. But she's like, no, I'm going to take, like, I'm lower class. So I need to take this to go because my eyes were bigger than my stomach. And I think that taps something into her, which is like this, like sacred code that he lets her walk out. Like that's how I read it. How'd you read it, John Michael? It was like, she was just savoring it too. And and like you said, it's like, she's bringing him joy. She's like, yeah, she's completing it for him. Hey, he cooked a meal for someone and he's feeling joy. And he's back to this like youthful childlike place in his life. Um, She's there as well. She's like, yeah, this is a great burger. I'm going to take, obviously she's just trying to like, like you said, speak in code to get out of there, but she does it in a way that like keeps, keeps the world the same for him. She's not like, help, let me run for my life. She's like coding it in a way where it's like, oh yeah, this makes sense with the guidelines of this, this world that he's set up. Um, and, and it's like a legitimate out for her. She is, uh, someone who actually does enjoy things like is someone who I think like what the film was about for me was a little bit of just like never enough. It's always, there's always more, there's always something better. Like you can always complain about something else. There's always something, a a higher experience to chase versus just being like, oh no, I'm just here to enjoy. Um, And I feel like she, he sees that in her also as a customer of like her actually being out in the world. He's let someone go who, who has the, the capacity to just enjoy moments, the capacity to enjoy a meal versus everybody else in there all the waiting staff are just going to be infinitely hard on themselves trying to reach perfection and they're not going to get there. And it's like all of the, the high class customers are just going to be ruined by their money and not be able to enjoy anything. And um, I don't know, it kind of brought up to me like contentment, the power of contentment and the power of just like, Hey, this is, this is enough. Just me being here and having this thing is enough. And she can, I think he sees that in her, like she can tap into it. So I have a bit of a sidebar question for you guys, which is, this movie came up, we did like a 2022 like recap of movies. And this was one of the movies that I talked about, like actually surprised me. And I really liked Andrew was, who's my normal co-host. He is not a fan of this movie. And I was like, how did you not like this movie? And he's like, I didn't like any of the characters. Like there was no one for me to root for. So it left me a little cold. Um, I felt like I was really rooting for her. Um, and was like tied into her journey. How did, what did you guys feel in just relationship to the characters and even like viewing experience as a whole of like how you felt about this world and these characters and these people? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely Margot was, I, I latched onto her immediately of like, I think that opening scene and you got the guys like, ooh, smoking's gonna mess up your palate. And you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of him. Right. <laughs> and you're just right. like, she seems like my way and this is me experiencing yes. this. I don't know, you know, they're bringing out bread as like little pastes and they're bringing out these things where I'm like, am I going to get some real, you know, food? So I felt like she was just 
she grounded everything. Um, like you said, she's not talking like I love the critics. I love them in that I hated them of just like yep. all their conversations and interactions made me laugh. And you just had the little yes man who's just nodding his head to everything the, the, the key critic is saying. So it's almost like you're so f- fueled with annoyance <laughs> with everybody else that you can't help but um, also root for the one, you know, really grounded person. There. Yeah, that was my experience, too. I was like, everyone here is like perfectly curated, unlikable, you know, like the three yeah. dudes who were just sitting together and John Lincoln was like, Ahoy mates. And they're like, Oh, we're making boat jokes. And just like, <laughs> they kind of go after them right away. <laughs> and then everyone is just so unlikable that I was like, okay, I'm latching onto her because she is me. She's who I would, f- how I would feel if I'm going on the yacht for the $1,200 plate, which is just totally unfathomable to me. Um, and so I just identified with her. Not for me, by the way, I do want to clarify. I, I eat very expensive foods a lot, and twelve hundred dollars is nothing to me. And I just like to come out and say that on air for for a meal. Good. It's it's. Good I just want everyone to know. know. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna give that flex, that humble brag. That's fine. Uh, yeah, that's not fine. just just. I have lots of disposable income to throw at um of entrees, and and that's nothing. <laughs> Did you guys have a most meaningful scene, uh, John Michael? What was your most meaningful scene in the movie? Like. Most meaningful, like for me, or or that most clearly demonstrates the meaning of what I think the through line of the movie. Well, maybe just this movie that you really liked, or a scene that you really liked, something yeah. that really like jumped out. I mean, I really liked, I really liked that he was so perturbed by her. <laughs> like, I just left. He's like, "What's your deal? Like, why, why can't I pin you? I don't know which side you're on. I don't know. Uh, you, you weren't supposed to be here. Throwing everything off. Like, I think." Um, one, it uh, just like, uh, from an entertainment value standpoint, it was fun for me just trying to figure out what was going on and who she was and why she was there. Um, and then I think just because this guy is the man, he's just like walking in, he knows everything. He's super exact. He's got this grand plan and to see someone throw a wrinkle in that plan and for him to just be like overwhelmed by it. I think just those scenes of them touching base, uh, each time and him just being like, no, tell me like what's going on was just fun to see him squirm, I think. Um, and, and fun for him. I mean, it throws him into maybe a moral conundrum. It throws him into an everything conundrum of like, he knows where this night's headed. She doesn't, she know he knows that this terrible guy has invited her knowing that, you know, they're both going to die. And so to me, I think it throws his character into a bit of a, uh, of a crisis, which was just fun. You know, when I studied screenwriting, one of the things they talked about was, like, the power of putting your antagonist and protagonist, like, right together as much as possible. One mm-hmm. of the movies we studied was Collateral, which is, like, it's like Tom Cruise is there, Jamie Foxx is there. They're separated by a little plane of glass, and they're just going all over Los Angeles all night long. Yeah. Or Silence of the Lamb. It's like Clarice and Hannibal are right there. And I felt that same sort of energy mm. from this movie of, yeah. like, oh, she's right here. The villain is right you know in the kitchen across from her and just that confined space i just made the, thought those relationships made so interesting and they found lots of ways to play it out like he walks into the bathroom when she's in there and that's a very kind of like weird right. uncomfortable scene he brings her back in the office mm-hmm. and there's just all this continual stuff of like we're gonna put these two side by side and they're trying to figure each other out and we're trying to figure it out as the audience as well yeah very very cat and mouse yeah is there a most meaningful character that you guys had? Someone who really jumps out? Well, I think watching it, I thought the most meaningful character was the was Chef Julian, just because he sort of embodied whatever this exercise was, and 
He's the arbiter of this cautionary tale, these moral lessons that he's teaching whoever. Um, but obviously, yeah, our lens into the story is Margot. Yeah, I think going back to what you were talking about with, with Andrew not really connecting with it, I think something that was hard for me was like, I, I wanted to know more about about her. I wanted to know more mm-hmm. about Margot. Or there's so many satirical lessons that are being displayed here that sometimes I just wish it w- the film was doing a little bit less of that so that we could fully like experience and like know these characters a bit more. Um yeah, we're not given much of her backstory at all, right? Like um and she even kind of is lying the whole time when she's in the bathroom. She's like I forget what she says, but she gives kind of a made up like I'm from Omaha or whatever she says there. And she keeps giving these kind of made up backgrounds because she's like trying to protect herself. And so as an audience as well, we're like, all right, we empathize with her and feel who she is, but we don't know who she is. We don't even really know what she wants. Like normally your protagonist, you know what they want. And for the first part of the movie, it's like, oh, she's just kind of being strung along until we don't know what she wants until she realizes like, oh, I've got to make this out alive. Like I've got to make th- through the night alive. And then she has real stakes and purpose for her character. Yeah. And we're, and we're rooting for her to do that. I think, yeah, like you were saying, I think if we learned more about what she wanted, what her motivations are, I feel like I would have attached more to her. Also, the chef was just so mesmerizing and you know trying to figure out like what what is the meaning of this dinner what is the meaning of this Mm -hmm. guy's punishment or penance for this and something that i was really uh i I think it was an interesting choice that they not only were subjugating these you know obviously terrible people and customers but the whole ship was going down with the staff with these people that are nameless working hard under this, you know, cult like leader. They're also going to be dead by the end of the night. Um, and I, I wanted to, at, to ask y'all like what y'all made of that specific point. Cause I think if I were writing this movie, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they're, they're going to kill all these rich people. And that's, that's that. But the fact that it's like, yeah, if either side that you choose Margot, like we're all dying, right. but mm-hmm. make your choice. I wonder practically like how they came up with this plan of like, they're sitting around like the Island cabin bunks one day and they're like, okay, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? And someone's like, what about mass suicide? Like, like what if that hear me <laughs> out? Let's not take anything off the table here. What if instead of shrimp, <laughs> shrimp paella and mass suicide? suicide. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I thought like the, the head chef, I felt for him when he was just like, you ruined it for me. You know, it's like, the, I, and I, the only people who can afford what I do are just going to hate everything I do. And, and in that way, like, you really do, you feel for him on that front. And it, it felt like it was just like, uh, everyone subscribed, or at least the staff, to like meaningless, everything's meaningless. So why not just, it doesn't matter if we make the best food ever, because the people that are enjoying it aren't going to enjoy it. So let's just, you know we're just all going out because we'll never get there. We'll never reach, um, you know, where the height of our craft meets people actually enjoying the food. So I guess for me to answer your question, Jeff, the reason they're what they decided, like even as a writer makes sense to me is because if they're going to try to kill all these people, 
but then we're going to live. Then all of a sudden, all I'm thinking about is the cover up. I'm like, okay, how are they going to cover it up? How are they going to like make it towards like, oh, the boat sunk or whatever else. And the whole story becomes about the cover up Mm -hmm. versus this story, which is like, we're going to watch these people suffer. Our only existence is there to make these people suffer. And that's part of why I think it's a horror movie a bit is because, you know, Jason Voorhees, there's, like, nothing you can do to him. All he wants to do is, like, come after you and make you suffer. And, like, all these chefs in the kitchen, they were kind of the same way. There was nothing you could threaten them with because they had already decided this is the last night of our lives. And so that made it much more frightening, and that made it much more, I don't know, the stakes higher to me. Well, and I feel like their message is, like, solidified that way. If they they kill everyone and they go on to to live, it's, like, it's not saying the same thing as them saying, hey— this is uh, this is our final statement, you know, of just like we can't reach this place of like this height, this pinnacle we're trying to go to because of you. So you actually are the ones that are making us kill ourselves kind of in a in a way like I think they're seeing them just as much responsible for this almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree to your point. I think the logistics of the story become harder when yeah you start thinking about yeah how are they going to get away with this it's like well they're not going to get away with this they're they're going to be dying too and it sort of taps into this idea of of aiming for perfection and this is all part of like his piece to resonance uh is that yeah yeah, yeah, i just googled it yeah playing it back Um, yep sounds the same uh yeah it's sort of you know this last piece of art um, that he's he's gonna go out with a bang, and and just that eccentric artist, yeah, made it like okay, this guy is totally committed, and I agree. Every time uh, he gave a speech, I love the clap motif that he would <laughs> clap, and everyone kind of comes to attention, but it's like frightening, and it's just like okay, he's coming full force and full power. I'm curious from you guys though, was there a least meaningful scene? Was there a scene or a moment that kind of took you out of the story that cheapened what they were trying to do that was like ah this didn't work for me as well did you have a least meaningful scene i struggled with when she goes to get the barrel from the house and the sous chef is is jealous and and comes after her uh and you know they have that struggle in the in the house that she wasn't supposed to go into i think there were there were some things that uh on their own were were really cool but whenever like thinking about all of those scenes or devices lined up next to each other i didn't always understand how it paid off for the greater uh answer of the film but i thought it was a lot of really like um the guy is going and running out into the woods i was like oh my gosh what's gonna happen and then they get captured and they just kind of get sat back down and i was like oh what uh you know i don't know it was just there were just a couple of things like that where i'm like cool this is fun fun premise What's going to happen? And obviously in that, in that house, of the, the first scene I brought up, she does find the photos of him flipping burgers and she gets right. the radio. So I understand the plotty reasons, but um, for some reason I was just like, huh, I wonder if, I don't know, this could have just happened in a more succinct way, maybe. Um, you know, not to be overly critical. I just, it just didn't always, uh, some of the stuff just, I didn't understand what it was leading to. Now I'm with you. What about you, Jeff? Did you have a least meaningful one? That was, yeah, I had the exact same scene. It was, I, I just didn't, I, I feel like the, the issue that you run into sometimes with the movie that has so many moral lessons packed in that you're just trying, at least for me, I'm trying to figure out, all right, what are they trying to say right. with this? Like, what's the point? And I think maybe there wasn't, like, in 
for that scene specifically, I was like, all right, so what was like the point of this, this fight and the sous chef coming after her and, and, and maybe it, there wasn't like a greater point, but maybe, you know, y'all picked up something more or the, you know, whoever else is listening, picked up something more from it. And maybe there wasn't, you know, a, a deeper meaning or, or satire that it was pointing to. It was just like, this is a, a fun action scene where we get to see Margot, you know, fight and try to get, you know, fight. So I really like this movie a lot. Um, but I do think there are a few things that I feel like they do just to like up the tension. And that's, that's the only point It's like, okay, we're going to like set up a fight scene here. Or even for me, like, when they all go and they like run out into the woods, it's like, okay, we're going to like have all the men run out in the woods because men are evil. And they all go and run out. And then I was like, Oh, they're all going to be maimed. Something's really going to happen. Right. They just kind of go and run out and then get taken back. And it's like, okay, that was, it was like a fun game. It felt like I was like, there's like no stakes here at all. And (laughs) not that I wanted to see them all be maimed, but even that would have been, been like, okay, it makes more sense. Like they're making themselves. I was wondering like maybe there's traps out there or maybe it's like men think they can get themselves out of a hole when they can't. And then, you know, we see them. I I had the exact same thing where I was just like, oh, that's, that's fun. But then, oh, everyone's still just a okay. And everyone came back and they didn't escape. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what the point of this is for me. The first like 45 minutes or hour of the movie is unassailable. I love like they they do such a great job of just like ratcheting up the tension a little bit more. It's like okay, we're starting and this she's with a guy and he's kind of a jerk. Don't smoke. And then it's like okay, we're on a boat and the boat's gonna leave, so you're trapped here all night. And then okay, we're gonna serve bread without bread, and so all the people are like <laughs> a little upset about that. And then I love the tortilla scene where they go and they bring all yeah, the tortillas out. Really what did cool. you guys think of that scene? That was great. That that really worked for me. It was just awesome of like, oh, this has been, this is going to be bad. Just like they've been like gathering secrets on all these people. They're all here by uh, full intention, um, especially when he gets to like the bank records of the bros and like, you know who our yes. boss is. And essentially it was just like you saw everyone's powerless for me. It solidified in that yep. scene like no one holds any power except for the staff. Uh, there's no one to call. There's no, there's no way off and they're, they're done for. Um, yeah, it, it, it really worked for me. Yeah. Th- that whole Taco Tuesday scene was <laughs> haunting. And it, it's what really kicks off sort of the WTF, you know, moments of the film. Because that's also when they bring out, oh, wait, was was the Taco Tuesday post the mess no, scene? No, so, so where, they do Taco Tuesday. It, that's, again, why I think it's built so brilliantly. It's like Taco Tuesday. So it right. attacks. It's like, hey, we know all of your secrets. And they're like, okay, we yeah. want to get out of here. No one's yeah. safe. But then, then all of a sudden, they're all used to being in power. All these people are used to, like, we're uh-huh. in the driver's seat. Do you know who my boss is? I'm the, the customer. dude who's like, yeah. I'm the customer. I can send anything up. So these are all people who are used to being in the driver's seat. And it's like, okay, nope, we know your deepest, darkest secrets. And then right when they want to push back, the guy goes and makes the mess. And so he kills himself. And then the guy gets his finger chopped off. On and Taco so like, Tuesday right. is... That's also when he wheels or when mom's out and he's like, my mother used to get beat. And it was like, holy, it was just like, that was really disturbing. And his first like interpersonal monologue of just like darkness in his life. And you're just like, good Lord, where's this going? Yeah. I I kept trying to figure out why is mom Mm -hmm. here? (laughs) Is is that going to come back at the end? And I, I thought about putting that as my least meaningful scene just because maybe I, I didn't get it. Like what was the purpose of, you know, delving into this 
story of trauma from his past and having his mom just sit there and get drunk and never say a word. It never um, pays off. Like it, like it adds to environment and atmosphere. But to me, I agree. I kept thinking like, and maybe it's just the way that I'm used to watching movies of like, okay, this is going to pay off somehow. But the only reason it seems right. to be there is to make this frightening story of like, Hey, we had taco mm-hmm. Tuesday. And then my dad choked my mom with a phone cord. And it's like, Oh right. my gosh. And kind then of in the it. same vein, there's also the the one of the people from his staff who's like, yeah, he tried to assault me this many times, or or I forget if like did assault me, and uh, and then he gets stabbed, you know, with the with the knife, and like that was another moment where I'm like, oh, okay, that's really messed up. This guy's like, yeah, he's he's evil, uh, and then it was just like, and I don't know if the point trying to be made there again was like from the filmmakers of just contentment of like, okay. Yeah, these customers are terrible, but also the staff. You've got this chef who's just never, never satisfied, never pleased. He always wants more, not only in his craft, but also in his life, maybe based off his trauma. And so maybe he's, you know, if, if there's a spectrum with like the customers on the left and then you have the staff all the way on the right, you know, if you pull it up as a circle, maybe they're just like, they're both struggling with the same thing just on like other spectrums and maybe that's they put that stuff in there to be like that's why the staff has to go too i don't know i i think they are saying that everyone in this movie is a sinner and maybe that's probably my word not theirs but like even the guy who makes the mess he's like don't you want to be just like me and he's like yes i do and like will you ever be like me no i won't so there's definitely like that Mm -hmm. i say sinner in the like seven deadly sins sort of way like that envy or greed or pride it's like ever like it's it's Mm -hmm. almost like a you know old-fashioned fairy tale like pilgrim's progress or something like that where it's like <laughs> every, all these people are like archetypes more than they are characters mm-hmm. and it does make it more of like a fairy tale than it does like a movie with logic um it's true yeah and i think that's a good point that they really are archetypal and even when we're going back to like um you know uh margo this person is our like grounded this is us, you know, in the story. This is the critic. These are the bros. This is the, the mad scientist chef. And I think for that reason, I didn't really feel like I needed to know, like, everyone's history and what was going on. I just was like, I'm down. Like, I'm in with the premise. Right. These are just, like, who these people represent in this big satire. And let's see, like, what points they make kind of with everybody. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think then there was just some of the issues with that of like certain scenes or certain things feeling like, oh, this is a fun game. This is a fun premise. That's a really disturbing thing. But sometimes I don't know how all these different nice ingredients, maybe together they're not adding up uh, for the same final payoff. You know, what did you guys make of the actual ending of like, okay, we're going to go and we're tying them up and we're like cracking up graham crackers and we're gonna make s'mores out of people like what did you make of that kind of final set piece sequence i thought it was interesting that a lot of them were saying thank you like um the couple the 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 couple with the husband who got his finger lopped off like the wife you know i kind of liked her sweet mom moment of giving the the girl who she knows has like been with her husband like go like this is your window you know and like kind of grounded her for me but then she like thanks the chef and someone else i think does too and I kind of felt like it made the the customers, they were all like, I think the tech I'm going to be free does. if I, you know what, actually death will free me from this constant uh, un, unpleased state that I'm in. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I think the, the very in-your-face message was the whole eat the rich concept. And it's, you know, 
very uh, obviously personified in, in that final image of of them literally being s'mores. <laughs> um, and also in that same scene, seeing Margot on the ship right. eating the burger and wiping her mouth with the menu, it's like it it, it further kind of hammers home that idea. Like, no, like I don't, I'm not. I'm going to be set apart from this choice that, that was given to me. I'm going to, I don't really care about this menu. I'm going to wipe my mouth with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it is really like, it's such an interesting movie because it, it has this like creepy tone. And then I saw it in the theater. And so there are so many laughs. Like one of the biggest laughs of the movie is when Tyler goes and he, <laughs> the chef takes him inside and is like, okay, why don't you cook us something amazing? And then he's like, you know, (laughs) cook, cook. (laughs) And and he's like, shallots with butter. We're, we're being, our eyes are being open to a whole new cooking technique. You know, he's just like roasting this guy. (laughs) And then the the description of it, it's explicit, but I'll just say Tyler's bullsh. Comes right on the screen there. And that got the biggest laugh in the movie. Um, And, and then like, once the people are actually being made in s'mores and it's like, Hey, we're, it it kind of keeps a tone and then almost like jumps the line. Like we're, they're putting like marshmallow hats on. Like I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like we're, we're kind of all over the place here. Yeah, um, very, it's very, very silly. Very like, <clears throat> I don't want to say fun, but you know, very fun. But yeah, like campy, you know, like, I mean, yeah, I guess pun yeah, intended, yeah, yeah. but like, so I don't know how much of that worked for me, but it was just like, I I was like I don't know how else I would have ended this movie. I guess it's like as satisfying or interesting of an ending as they could have had. It seemed like with the s'mores there was some kind of theme of like you know the everyday man's dessert, super easy to make. Um, you know we went from the burger to s'mores, and so it's like it. I think it it tracked of just like yeah this this yeah you got to end it with the way it should be. It should be in the same vein of like this like you said kind of like campy satire. Like I, I feel like it was an ending that felt like um, satisfying for what was set up, you know? I'm curious from you guys, if you're going to rate this movie, what are you like giving it your letterbox rating or your Cisco or out of five stars? What are you going to give this movie? I don't know if it's a movie that I necessarily need to revisit. Um, I enjoyed watching it and I, uh, you know, I thought it was really well made and I thought the acting was awesome. Oh, yeah. And, I think at the end I was just left feeling a little bit unsatisfied. And I think we're, we're we're kind of talking about the reasons, you know, for uh, reasons for that with the ending, it just felt like a little cold, like, okay, so now what? Maybe I'll say 10. I'd give it like a, a six, six out of 10. Okay. John Michael, what you got? I'll say, yeah, I'll say 6.5 for me of it was it was it was fun it knew exactly what it was doing what it was trying to do i appreciated it just getting like right to the concept straight away not being afraid to do really strong visual choices of like yeah we're doing the chef's table we're gonna like put the the name of the dish up on the screen there was like enough there for it to be really fun enough characters that made like made for like really big laughs like jeff said the performances were awesome I think I just got a little bit lost in some of the thing, some of the scenes we talked about where it just, I didn't always know what every device was building to. Um, but like you said, I think I was really locked in for like the first 30 minutes or so. Um, it just like after that, I think I, I, I just got a little, little lost in some of the, 
um, some of the directions they were heading with it. But overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was fun. I think, too, the whole point of the movie, too. It's like I'm a big fan of, I don't know, when you're going to a movie, this was a lot of people work super hard for you to just walk in and enjoy it. So it's like they're just meant to be enjoyed. So I enjoyed it, but in the same yeah. way, yeah, it's, I'm not going to be like, oh, everyone, like you, you've got to, you know, see this. So I, I think I'd probably land somewhere around there, like 6.5, 7. I'd probably be like a 7 or even an 8 just because I thought it was so original and so fun. Yeah. I think like it's almost like the first half is like a 10 and the second half is like a 6, you know, so it like evens out yeah. to like an 8 for me. Um, But uh, for me, you know have a movie podcast, watch a lot of movies. And if you're going to do something really original, it, I always kind of grade it a little higher. Like I always grade that on a curve where I'm like, I've never seen anything quite like this. And this that's is true. like, they're really taking risks and doing something that's interesting. And literally I was always guessing like where this is going. And I was like, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm in, like I'm kind of buckled in seeing where this thing's going to take <laughs> me. And I did feel like this, this is smart writers, great actors, cinematography. Like they, they, they had a vision of like what this movie should feel like and look like. And so the craft of all that together definitely made me enjoy it. Even though there are certain things that I'm like, I'm not sure where we're going or even now that I know where we're going, I'm not sure if it worked. Sure. Yeah. It's, and, and that's totally. fun to see. And it's like, I feel like it's when you see someone take a risk and take a big swing like that, it's like, I definitely want to see more movies like that over, um, well, this existing IP has been around for forever. So let's do another sequel of this, you know? So <laughs> it's about time someone made a horror movie about the fine dining world. To- and, and, <laughs> I mean, and I, satire, right? Like you said, I mean, I, yes. Yeah. And, and I, I love those shows. I mean, I watch Chef's Table all the time in all those food travel shows, Anthony Bourdain. And I I loved all of the references. <laughs> I did love um, that line where he was yeah, like, def- I've seen every single episode of Chef's Table. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, we, we know that person. Yeah, it was fun to see. But, you know, the movie did exactly what it, it set out to do. And it did it in a really good and fun way. Um, so... I, yeah, I very much enjoyed watching it. Well, what we like to do at the end of the podcast is just get... You, this is your chance to give your final argument about what the meaning of the movie is. And so it's like, hey, this is... If I'm going to give, like, the, you know, one-minute pitch of, like, what I think this movie is and what it's trying to say, this is where I say it. And you may have already said some of these things before, but this is, like, your closing argument. And so, uh, Jeff, you want to go first? What's the meaning of the menu? There's so much to unpack in this movie. And I think it's saying a lot of things, but I think a lot of the things that they're saying kind of point to the concept of, or the nature of how we as a culture, maybe we as individuals consume things and specifically art, food, the whole taker versus giver idea that it lays out. Um, and I think when it's talking about, you know, art in the form of, you know, this, this guy who's an actor or, this the chef or whatever when an art becomes so completely commercialized or performative to the point that only the privileged get to enjoy it 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 almost becomes the death of that thing yeah um but yeah john michael what about you what's your meaning of the movie yeah i think it's it just has to do with for from just me personally walking away what do i reflect on and feel like i'm getting from it is um is contentment it, it is w- what is enough and i think we all have those things that we obsess over we make our north star and you're just like if i can just get to here if i can just get this or even in in the 
you know, just like the cruder fact of just like, oh, I didn't like my latte was cold or like, oh, I didn't like how this food tasted. Like it, it can always be better. There's always something to complain about. But the secret sauces and like in, enjoying where you are and it being having contentment and and. Uh, the present of of the step that you're in. And I think that's on both sides. Like I love that in the staff, it's in this like, I've got to perfect my craft. I have to be the very best. I've got to make the best dishes. And then in doing that, their food ends up in front of these like, these people that uh, can't even enjoy it. And they're they're shackled by their obsession, by their career, by their like their art. Um, And then on the critic side and the consumer side, it's just like, uh, this is no, this is wrong. This isn't enough. And and then Margot, the one who gets away, who I want to be is just like, Hey, this burger's great. I'm going to take it to go. Um, so I, I guess that's the meaning for me is just like, yeah, you will always be chasing that thing. Uh, and, and satisfaction will always be just out of reach unless you're able to kind of shift your perspective, uh, on, on your own. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you guys in the meaning of the movie. Some are like kind of abstract where I'm like, I don't know. This movie definitely has a point of view. What struck me about it and why I think it's worth watching and thinking about is so much of our entertainment and our art has become so disposable. Um, White Noise just came out on Netflix. Noah Baumbach made it, you know, $250 million. And it's already kind of came and went. And I'm just like, how is that possible that like, one of our great filmmakers, great actors, you know, great services. It comes, we watch it for two days, and then it's just gone. Where it used to be like a film like that was yeah. such an event. We'd lead up to it, and then we couldn't wait for the DVD release. And it was like we kind of savored things more. And now it just kind of – things are yeah. so disposable. Mm. And not just film, but like music and food and everything is just like we can have everything. And so nothing really has meaning. So there's that side of it. But the other really important character in this movie is Tyler, who's probably the ultimate villain of this movie. And what's so interesting about him is he's the opposite of the spectrum. He kind of represents fan culture, where he's so into every single thing the chef says, every single thing it does. He's breaking it all down. He's kind of doing what I'm doing right now, which is like geeking out over it, looking for meaning in every single thing, that it kind of strips it of its magic. It's like... Yeah, he gets what the food is, but he's not enjoying it. He's trying to, like, look behind it and, like, oh. It's like that fan of the TV show who's like, oh, yeah, well, that actually happened in season one, episode three, and now in season seven. And they're, like, so into it that you're like, oh, I just kind of like the show. That's who Tyler is. Right. It's, like, exhausting. (laughs) It's, like, when you make knowledge everything, and it's, like, well, I knew this. And, actually, did you know? It's just, like, it's it's exhausting and I think what I love about the movie right. is I'm like, who am I yeah. <laughs> in this crowd of people? And am I, you know, is it the critic? Is it the fan? Is it the, uh, you know, who, whoever? And I think it's it's fun to see. Is it the whoever? That yeah. was not very well put. Um, but, you know, you can look into the crowd and just be like, all right, where am I aligning? Uh, and, and where should I maybe consider? Yeah, because <laughs> it's going after the spoiled things. consumer. And then it's also going after the, like, obsessive fan and it's like those are both kind of damaging to Mm -hmm. what art is supposed to do and what it's supposed to mean and so that's what i thought made this movie smart and interesting and really where the meaning lied for me and i think and i think we're all like guilty of it too i'm like man i constantly want to be entertained i i can't I can't go to the fridge without picking up my phone and seeing another thing, an article or what's going on on social media and then i get home i'm like hey what show do you want to watch and it's just like what am i 
I, I constantly need to be entertained. Why? I'm so I, exhausted by myself well, it, in that way. And it points to this compulsion now that everyone needs to have like a take mm. on something. And like, we're all critics mm -hmm. and you know, we post on our social media, like this, you know, go to this restaurant or this, like, I didn't like this movie or, um, and obviously like Tyler's character is kind of like the, <laughs> yeah, the main culprit. And I, I loved that scene where he made him cook it and <laughs> you do he's it. He's like, yeah. after cook. he's like the, the know-it-all who can pick out the, the ingredients and stuff. It's like, now you try. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like the, the film, the filmmaker pointing to like the, the film critic, like, Oh yeah, mm -hmm. this is hard. You try to make a movie. Right. <laughs> And I think they nailed that in the fact of like in a good comedy or satire, like no one's safe. Everyone's getting punched at like a good joke yep. is like coming at all sides, left, right, center. And they do that in this where it's like from the staff to the critic, to the fan, to the just consumer. Margo's, you know, not perfect in, in it either. And it's like, I just like that, like a good comedy, everything's on the table to like make a joke at nothing, nothing. Yeah. Is, they were is, all yeah. being satirized. And um, the only like true heroic act in this movie was respect. That's what Margot continually does is she acts respectful to Tyler. She acts respectful to the chef. Like when the chef comes over and is like, you need to eat your food. She's like, thank you for offering that food to me, but I'm capable of making this. But she's always kind and respectful where everyone else is being cutting or satirical or mean or snarky. She's kind of the like calm voice of respect um, which may be the superpower and maybe the other thing the movie's advocating for. I don't know. Mm. I do like that where it's like the, just our politeness and even in social situations where I've been around a new environment or I'm eating a meal with like new people and I'm like, oh, how do I, you know, adjust to this group of people and what are the norms here? It's very refreshing to see someone be like, hey, these are my boundaries, this is my line and, you know, I'm not into that, you know, or yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Uh, where I think I can subscribe more to like, oh, how do I, how do I please everyone and make it, you know, it's just like, no, it's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not eating this weird right. uh, paste <laughs> bread thing. Well said, John Michael. Well, good job, you guys. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm scooping all of the paste into I my mouth. Yeah, I thought you went to a lot of fancy Hoping you'll just love meals. me. Hoping you'll just talk to me. Oh, I yeah, eat a lot of fancy meals. I have, it's a, a very impressive amount of fine dining experiences yeah. that I I know you're speaking from to. experience. I have a lot of money. Well, thanks for being on the show today, guys. Good job. Dude, thank you so much for having us. That was so fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Uh, so everyone, check out Sorry About the Demon. Uh, check out uh, John Michael. Check out Jeff McQuitty. Uh, they're doing great stuff. We'll talk about more of your movies someday. And everyone else, we'll be back soon with another episode of The Meaning of the Movie. Bam, 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 bam,